0: Today on Let's Talk Voiceover with BT and Randy Ryan, we hang out with Greg Chun. As a working voice actor and music producer, Greg knows what it takes to make a living doing what you love to do. We talk with Greg about how many skills, both technical and creative, that may seem disparate are actually interconnected. We talk about musicality influencing voice acting. Yet again, shocker. We discuss that never-ending question of life. To live in L.A. or not to live in L.A.? that is the question and we discuss the value of collaboration as creative talent three midwestern boys one half hour of your time settle in my friends and let's talk voiceover
1: let's talk let's talk let's talk let's talk let's talk
0: Today we have the pleasure of hanging out with Greg Chun. Greg is a voice actor and a musician and a director and an all-around creative guy. And both his voice and music can be heard on really cool places like McDonald's, Domino's, Farmer's Insurance, Blue Shield, State Farm, Hyundai, Honda, Mini Cooper. See the theme. Food insurance and cars. All great staples (laughs) of American consumption. That's right. As it should be. Things we want to probably talk about today in our casual chat... For all the kids at home, we're going to talk about just how easy it is to live the dream of performing, both in the studio and on stage, right? Piece of cake?
1: Oh, it's a breeze. It's like, it's uh, it doesn't require any, there's no negative aspect. To it. It's just like going to Disneyland. Every it is. Day, it's like so. every day <laughs> yeah. at Disneyland.
0: So let's talk voiceover, Greg Chun.
1: Let's do it.
0: All right. You know, one of the things that's kind of cool about Yumi and Randall is that we all have in common, we wear different creative hats all the time. You're a voice actor, you're a music producer, you do some live stuff. Talk about that, and and how does all that
1: gel? You know, it's just, I think, in the old days, it seemed like, you know, you get a job, like, you do a thing. You're a farmer, you're a, an electrician, you're a blacksmith, whatever, and you do one thing, and that's your thing, and everybody knows you for that, and... It's, you know, whatever, it's simple, you make your living, and, and that's how it is. And even nowadays, especially like in Korea and stuff, I think the goal really is to work for Samsung or LG and become like a company man, where you're just, you're at the company and you you get some great package and you live your life out there. I feel like, especially in entertainment, entertainment may be one of them the, the unique cases where I actually think it behooves you to diversify, um, because there is so much cross-pollination with everything that we do, whether you're working in this capacity, that capacity, Everything informs other things, and uh, it only increases your ability, I think, to navigate into these other arenas. And ultimately, because the way the business is changing, from a practical standpoint, I actually think it's important just to have multiple lines of income to, <laughs> to Boy, be able to that's the truth, right?
0: That's absolutely the truth. It's funny, Randy and I have a friend, uh, his name is Troop Gamage, and, and he's an incredible voice actor. But he's also, and first and foremost, he's a musician. And he came through Nashville, oh, about four months ago, and I had the chance to stop in and see him. And I was asking him, I said, Troop, how's it going? And he said the same thing. He goes, I said, what are you up to these days, right? Are you just doing this touring thing? What do you do? And He goes, I am doing anything that pays. So I'm doing a little bit here, a little bit there, cobbling it all together and making a living out of it. Exactly. It beats the hell out of sitting in a cube for, you know, eight, 10 hours a day.
1: And ultimately, it's actually, everything is not as unrelated as some people might think. I mean, when it comes to, voiceover is very musical. Music can be very influenced by, uh, your performance in music can be very influenced by acting. Randy, where have we
0: heard that before? I don't know. uh,
2: I think you and I have mentioned that at least once a week, every week. And every guest that
0: we've had on has also mentioned the same thing about musicality and voiceover. But I'm sorry, please continue. You're absolutely right. (laughs) It's
1: it's like we're pitching underhand here.
0: Pitching underhand.
1: Uh, Yeah, softballs. And I'm just whacking them out of the park. So like the thing about computers and music, I actually was a computer programmer for 10 years before like getting into all this stuff. Music is very mathematical. You meet a lot of people who are sort of computer nerds, musicians and so all the things that I do actually are really related in in a lot of ways and I feel like it's the same thing as somebody who's got somebody who's like a manager at some random company well sometimes you have to run meetings sometimes you have to fire someone sometimes you have to this and that it's like those are all different ways to kind of pivot in the same realm that's just sort of how I look at my career as well I talk about this
2: a lot even in workshops that I do and stuff I found over time that I directed based on music which is how I could direct even though I never acted. I mean, I just figured that out over a long period of time. Why do you think that people who are musical tend to make good voice actors? And do you think it's just voice acting? Do you think it's other kinds
1: of acting? Or do you think it's just more of an advantage for voice? I think it's really all about the ear. You know, I think if you're a musician and you have a musician's ear, you find audio things interesting. Let's say you're a young musician and you start watching cartoons and you hear, you know, Jess Harnell or whoever doing their thing. It's kind of like, oh, that's interesting how he, wow, he's really going from the top of his range to the bottom of his range. Or, oh, do you hear how he slowed down at that point to emphasize this thing? That's that's a tempo thing. How interesting is that? Like, I just think musicians naturally take an interest more in kind of the audio element of whatever they're experiencing in in a sensory way throughout the day. And so it stands to reason, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me why somebody who is kind of audio-oriented would gravitate towards voiceover work because it is fascinating to listen to. I'm teaching myself Spanish
2: right now because I've been getting opportunities at so many Spanish language things for years and I've always hired out other voice directors and it's like, uh, why would I not just teach myself Spanish and, and direct in Spanish? The reason I bring that up is because I think, you know, the, the things that you're saying are like, you know, you hear this and you go, oh, he slowed that down there. He did this. You actually just kind of do it naturally because you hear it and you pick it up. So I think that it might even be deeper that musicians don't even know that they're doing these things. It just, like, yeah, it's one, like a
1: subconscious thing. Absolutely. It, it's and it's instinctive, like, yeah.
0: I think there is an instinct to voiceover that comes from someone who is musical or lyrical
2: or – Performance-oriented, and so for voice acting, as opposed to other kinds of acting, that's a huge advantage if you come from a musical background because you're not using anything else; you just do it. Um, but if you were to do stage acting or screen acting or something like that, then you've got to start be thinking about your facial expressions, your body movements. Where in voice acting, it's just what does it sound like.
1: That's true. I mean, there are less moving parts. And a lot of times when you're playing music, you know, I mean, you guys all play, you've played live and stuff like that. What do you notice? A lot of times the musician is, has their eyes closed and Mm -hmm. it's basically cutting off other sensory avenues so that you can really, really focus in on the audio because ultimately that's what matters. And yeah, it's, it's the same in voiceover. It doesn't matter what you look like, what kind of day you're having, what your hair looks like, what you're wearing. Like it just matters what you sound like. Yep. Yep. Well, and in
0: voiceover too, the other side of that is, is that voiceover is an individually received experience from the user, right? And in so many ways, music, unless you're going to a live show, music is the same thing, right? If you have recorded music, it's that same thing. So you do need to be able to reach out from within yourself and kind of express it out there to be able to establish your style, your tone, your voice. And that's, I think it's, there's so much overlap
1: in that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even as a composer, I find that. I mean, it's like... Um you guys, you there? Oh yeah, yeah. we're uh, oh, we're, we're okay. desperately listening. <laughs> I heard, yeah, hang, hanging on every word. Every like, this was, is gold. <laughs> this is gold, people. I, <laughs> I experienced a moment of of real dread of of the hearing the silence. I was like, what happened? Did, oh my did god, they cut them? me off.
0: They cut me off. Is this? Uh,
1: did they just finally decide? You know what?
0: This is, Look, this is, this really is ridiculous. Look, we're not talking I'm to this sorry. guy. <laughs>
1: yeah, this, we're not talking to this guy. Idiot. Um. I completely forgot what my point was now. ok, well, <laughs> never mind. You were talking about composing music and how that, how oh, that yeah. Works. yeah, when you talk about having your your own voice, I mean, it's as a as a player. You know, that's definitely true as a composer. It's very true as well, establishing sort of an, uh, your unique voice. And my journey kind of as a, as a composer and a music producer has has been, there've been a lot of parallels with my voiceover career. You know, you start off trying to imitate. And when I moved to LA back in oh, 96, like my dream was to be John Williams. Like, oh, I'm going to score films. And, and, you know, a lot of the initial demos and stuff that I would write music-wise were trying to be like him. And all it ended up being was a less, much less good version of him. And so if anybody would listen to that, they go like, oh, okay, he's got some John Williams uh, influences, but, you know, whatever, it is what it is. Same thing happens in voiceover. Like, you start off trying to imitate. And I think... I almost believe that stage is necessary. I agree. The the whole imitation thing, like it's it's definitely not your destination, your your desired destination, but it is sort of a, a stop that you need to make on your way to developing your own voice. It's just part of the process.
2: Well, it's like in in that sense, it's very much like music. I've watched a lot of acts over the years, and of course, have you know reviewed you know kind of how I went, and I think you've done the same thing. To me. Playing covers and not doing it for too long, you know, not making it your career, you know, unless you can really make a career out of it. Playing covers is how you learn how to write and how you learn why your writing is not that good or it needs to improve. Mm -hmm. And so I I agree with you that if you don't take that stage, if you don't do the, well, why, why do I like this? Why does this work? And I think what you usually learn is I am playing too much. I am talking too much. I am emphasizing too much. And you learn the art of
1: understatement. Mm hmm. Yeah. Dialing things back, letting less elements shine in their simplicity rather than just going to cram so much stuff in there hoping, you know, when I over arrange it's because of insecurity, it's like, Oh, what I've written is not interesting enough. So I just need to throw a bunch of more <laughs> instruments and a bunch of more layers in sure. there so that somebody will go, Oh, that's, that's cool. Right. And you know, it is so much more an art. That's why I have such respect for for pop actually Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm more an orchestral guy like when when the phone rings it's because they need either an orchestral score for a commercial or something like that or uh, like piano strings but when it comes to I've always had such an admiration for pop and even a lot of electronic music because there's such an art and a craft to taking just a few elements and making them just completely amazing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, having them work together in such a satisfying and timeless way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Greg, I think you
0: just really hit on something when you just said the value of understating and simplicity is really what, what helps establish a tone and a voice and all that. Recently, I started doing some short films. And it was interesting because when I saw the final footage, I realized that what I was doing— was going over the top in not so great of a way, right? And it was really <laughs> because I hadn't been on camera in a while. It's finding that and, and being comfortable enough with the key characteristics that help you establish who you are as a character, a performer, a voice, a musician, that I think really strengthen other people's ability to see the value that you bring to whatever it is that you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's so funny. This makes me think of something else that's completely unrelated, but we, you know, you guys uh, do a lot of directing. We've all done some directing. I mean, when you when you see that, doesn't it drive you a little nuts like it's the director's job to go that's too much oh, or let's it drove take me that out of my again. mind.
0: I was like why in the hell didn't they stop me and go
1: hey dude <laughs> yeah. cut it down a little it's you know
0: <laughs> I, I mean there was this one scene it was so intense and I had these intense killer I, I felt like uh, in scanners you know when his head starts shaking and, and all of a sudden he blows up and it's like oh god that was me <laughs> wait a minute except they kept that
1: wasn't that Michael Ironside yeah I don't know maybe it was I just
0: I don't know all I could dude, see is that my My head was shaking and I was ready to explode on camera and I'm like you didn't stop me god where were you as a director
1: (laughs) yeah but it's true I mean ultimately you know it's the director's responsibility to really make sure everything is working and I so a lot of times I used to obviously I'd watch stuff I'd be like god that actor's terrible and like now the first thing that pops in my mind is what is the director doing while the actor is doing this like Mm -hmm. what is going on here you know yeah it's interesting
2: well, and, you know, and it could be a couple of things. One, the director doesn't have the total vision. Yeah. You know, it's, it's easy to say that's the director's fault, but depending on how that person has been brought in, uh, they might not have had time. It's like, okay, we're just gonna direct some things here. Um, so unless it's just truly just bad performance as opposed to not right for this thing, um, maybe that's not their fault. If they do have the vision, then, yeah, that's really their fault because, <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, be, well because, they, because, they, you know, right, exactly. You should just be able, you, know, you should be able to say cut, you should be able to redirect. And if it's really bad, uh, unless you are just
1: tied to doing that, you recast. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, if it's a case where, you know, you've done, you've already done 20 takes, you're like, okay, well, this is all I can get from this actor, clearly. Right. Then, yeah, yeah, we got to move on. <laughs> right. Unless, unless just it's, you know, it's the budget. And it's like, well, we,
2: you know, we hired him, we hired her. We're stuck. We'll see what we can do in post. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and that's a different situation, too. Um, but yeah, if you weren't, you know, it sounds like to me, what, what you're saying basically is nobody ever told me that was bad. If they had, I'd have fixed it. (laughs) No, it was,
0: it was horrifying. Right. And so, right. I I was, I was doing this and I was really trying to work with the other actors and build them up because they were way too flat. Right. So I needed to help, help pump them up. So I did. And then they're and then when they did the cutaways back to me, they took those shots and I'm like, Oh God, it's horrible. (laughs) So (laughs) it may be, it may be the editor too. Well and, and, and the thing, yeah, first of all they were out of focus, which I can only thank them because that automatically made it unusable, right? But <laughs> but then I'm like, you know, you could have told me to pull back a little bit. Instead, everything was a one take and you're like, Oh that was great, that was great. I'm like, Hey we-
1: Brian, I hope that I hope that when this film comes out that the other actors are all are all lauded for their subtlety. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know, you know how they a-
1: couldn't be comparison- by comparison.
2: <laughs> you know, there's another possibility the cameraman's watching all this and going, uh, I'll cameraman his editor out of focus. Oh, we couldn't exactly. use that. Whoops. <laughs> oh, that's a shame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Would you
2: look at that?
0: I hate when that I happens. slipped. It, it it is. It's all about collaboration and making sure that there's that give and take and the back and forth and and that's a that's a really big part of any performance, but especially voiceover
2: oh, yeah. and voiceover directing. The other thing too about, about about collaboration with voiceover is we can do exactly what we are doing here and obviously i do it all the time and i don't know about you greg i don't know if you know everything is if you show up to all the sessions you know in, in person or whatever but because it's voice there is no penalty for me being in austin you being in la and if brian plays the client right now in in nashville it's just because what you as you said earlier what you look like what you do uh, doesn't come into play in fact i tend to think that it can be harmful because if somebody is in the booth and they are flailing around and they are and they're getting certain expressions or they're tearing up or, you know, name whatever it is, you might think that is a better performance than it is because you have something else showing you like, oh, look, they're really they're really into the role. And then you listen to things when they come back and you're like, wow, wow. I thought that was way better than that. It's
1: just not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you, the, you guys, had, I think, mentioned on a previous episode, that's why maybe sometimes you like to not look at the actor while you're directing them. Correct. I don't. Uh, when, when you are in person. Yeah. And I think that makes total sense. Yep. The whole thing about being there or
0: not being there. You, you said you've been in L.A. since 96? Yeah. So, okay, <laughs> I've, been, I've lived in L.A. twice and I swear I'll never move back. You moved to L.A. and have never left, and Randy has never even ventured to the point of trying to move and live in L.A. <laughs> he just visits. Yeah. I do. I do visit. What are the advantages? What are the reasons why you feel that it's so imperative
1: to be in L.A.? You know, for me, it's it has to do with everything that I do. I think uh, a lot of times, th- it's true that there's a lot of work that can be done remotely. There's no question about that. But there are some opportunities that you just got to be here. And those opportunities as, um, and when I look back on the history of what's happened over the last several years, those are opportunities that I really would have been kicking myself if I missed. So that goes for voiceover that goes for music, some things you just got to be here, you know? Uh, so I think the answer is it all depends on how, where your comfort level is, as far as opportunities that you're able to take and how comfortable you are letting certain opportunities go. And right now in my career and in my life, I'm really not comfortable missing out on anything, mm-hmm. you know? So what, um, what are so, those kinds of things that are popping up, you know, without getting too specific? What are the kinds of
0: things that are popping up that are pretty essential to be there, whether it's L.A., whether it's
1: New York, where, wherever it needs to be? i still feel like a lot of i mean commercials promo yes be in your booth be in the freaking adirondacks doesn't matter but when it comes to a lot of animation and video game work they still want to do it in person plenty of people do it remotely but there are certain outfits where it's just part of the process i don't know whether it's a a facetime thing or a dog and pony show thing but people like to have that facetime that in-person experience so I'm just finding that a lot of, and you'll even see on auditions, like must be able to record in L.A. on these dates, yep. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And as far as music goes, you know, commercial work, whatever, it, it doesn't matter. You can be anywhere to write commercials. But when it comes to stuff that involve collaborations, there's nothing like being able to sit down at the piano in the same room with the other writers and make progress that way. It's it's astronomically more productive mm-hmm. for some of the other stuff that I've worked on the sort of musical comedy and this and that there's in fact, just the other day we were um, working on something and the guys were like, it's, it makes such a difference. Just all being in the same space. Mm-hmm. Sure. It does. You know?
0: Not only do you get the collaboration of being together, but you also, I mean, you really get the sense of someone else's presence. And and I think that exactly. that is something that as we all sit in our home studios it does become a little more challenging to find that connection.
1: Yeah, well, not only that, I mean, I I would say, because something that's driven me nuts over the years working at home, and that's, I, that's probably a reason why I'm so grateful to actually be able to go out and, and work with people face-to-face is that I don't want to sit at home by myself all day. Like, it drives me nuts. Yeah. You know, I'm a very, very social person. And so, you know, when I go too long, just sort of if I'm on some project that's keeping me in the studio and I don't get to interact with other human beings, like, it really does a number on you, you know? I'm a terrible human being. I almost work the exact
2: opposite. <laughs> if, if I'm around people, if I'm, I, if I'm around people too long for too often, it's like
1: you know, I just gotta go. It's, I, I it's, oh, trust it's, me, I get that too. I get that too. But I think maybe everybody's got their uh, right. their their formula as far as like how much is too much people time, how much is too much alone time. I'll go
2: with with terrible person. I'm fine with that. No, I
1: I remember. I'm so glad you're saying uh, this so we don't have
2: to. I I remember when I first got off the road and, um, you know, because of course, what is it when you're performing live? You want the largest audience possible. You know, and I would always be very social with people. I would always talk to audience members. I would, you know, anybody wanted to come up and say anything. I was all, you know, some people will go retreat to the dressing room until they can, you know, get to the bus or the van or their car or whatever. And I was never that way. And so I thought, you know, I'm a pretty social guy. When I got off the road and started this company, I found that going to shows, that being out in the audience was like,
1: this was terrible it's like this is what you people put up with to go see us this sucks (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, being on the stage there's a you have the luxury of a layer of detachment right where the the audience is just sort of this mass it's like a single unit it's not oh my gosh i'm surrounded by gazillions of crazy people you know
2: right yeah so i'm I'm a terrible human being and i at least i know it though (laughs)
1: That's the joke in our yeah. family.
0: People who know me go, "Oh, Brian, you're such a people person." And my kids look at me and just laugh, going, "You hate people. You hate all people. You complain about people every night. That's it. <laughs> your perfect world is if yeah. you never have to leave your house." Voiceover. Yeah, well, so I'm a
1: voiceover actor. Yeah, it's a voice actor it's all its all about balance, right? You it know, is. like you, you spend too much time with people. You want to get the heck away from people. You, you spend too much time alone. You're like, oh God, I got to meet some people. I mean, it's- yeah, and no, not that is way. true. It's, that is absolutely A true. constant dance.
0: So you've had some really cool opportunities to collaborate. Talk about things like Michael Bolton's sexy Valentine's Day special <laughs> and Lonely <laughs> oh Island and some
1: of those really awesome high profile projects you've been able to do. You know, it's so interesting. Like I met- uh, the Lonely Island guys back in 2004, because a couple friends that I I went to school with, they're actually they're now super successful writers. They're executive producing and you know Mindy Project and Superstore, and now they're just doing development deals with NBC and stuff. But we were all just music nerds back in college, singing a cappella and like running around campus doing shows. But they brought me into the 2004 MTV Movie Awards to literally write a twelve second underscore to like a moment that Lindsay Lohan was having with her quote unquote parents on stage. I think I think Andy Richter was one of them. Anyway, I don't remember exactly. <laughs> but um so it was this very silly little cue which by the way ended up paying a crazy amount because MTV they like back in the day they would just play that show over and over and over and well, over. Well like, that the was MTV their programming, movie was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, um it's just interesting how one can make a living in music sometimes. But they brought me into that and the Lonely Island folks, Yorma, Akiva, and Andy, they were writing on that show. I'm not sure if Andy was there. But anyway, Yorma um, and Akiva definitely were. And I, I met them. And we just kind of clicked to the point that we would actually stay in touch. And when they were doing their pilot, um, Awesome Town, I helped them out with some uh, some music and some voiceover back then, too. And it's funny. The voiceover I did back then was now that I listen to it, I'm like, wow, that's awful. <laughs> and like, it's interesting how you how you look back on stuff that you used to do that you thought, oh wow, I'm I'm killing it. And now you you listen to it later, you're like, wow, you you suck. You killed. But yeah. anyway, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, you killed it all right. You killed the vibe is what you did. Um, so they, you know, every once in a while they would call me for something that was going on, and this was, you know, trust me, this is uh, before they like blew up the way that they did. So even and, and this is kind of a testament to what kind of guys these guys are is that even after they blew up they would still call me they'd be like hey there's this thing let's let's try this thing out some of the stuff would go some of the stuff wouldn't and eventually they they brought me into some snl stuff and then uh the the emmys when andy was hosting the emmys and then um akiva was really the uh main guy working on the uh, the bolton show with with scott ackerman from comedy bang bang and they brought me into work on that and that was you know how it is work begets work like you know you just got to somehow be top of mind when they're thinking of who who do we need to help us with this yeah absolutely business aspect absolutely agree with that so I guess
0: that's a good reason to get out of the house once in a while (gasps) (laughs) yeah probably I might have to try that I
1: don't know (laughs) (laughs) but uh, those projects that when they come along it's such a recharge for me because it's different and interesting and very much sort of a collaborative uh, effort um, getting to be on set and this and that. And by the way, Michael Bolton is the coolest guy ever. Anybody who's had the pleasure of like meeting him and work with him knows that it's just so much fun. He's just mm-hmm. such a goof. Mm-hmm. Like he just does not care. It, it takes him getting used to because he's very dry, but nothing that comes out of his mouth is serious. Mm-hmm. And so like when I first met him, he made some remark that, and I couldn't tell whether he was joking or not. And you know, you you, do, you don't want to like if somebody's not joking, you don't want to laugh in their face. You right, know what I mean? Yeah. So I think for me, it was a real adjustment period to just kind of read him. And then literally after spending three days with a guy, you're like, okay, he's he's constantly joking. Just know that. Know that chances are whatever he's saying, he's not serious. And he's he's hilarious. He's actually a really, really super kind, like just decent, normal guy, you know, despite his his circumstances and his... You know, everything they, that he's done. Anyone who's willing to put themselves in that kind of a
0: position and make fun of themselves the way he does is, is, is that says an awful lot about someone. <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> does. I, I, I think it's you know, there's a lot of respect for that. The whole voiceover world has changed. What kind of stuff? Where's your bread and butter in, in voice acting and, and the voice world, Greg?
1: Um, I probably video games, I would say. It's mostly just kind of like working voice actor video games, going into the studio and screaming for two hours, dying in 10 different ways, and there you go. How do you save your voice from that? Ah, how indeed. You know, it's interesting. I've found that a lot of it is technique, really. And I never used to get that because to me, I would go in and like, okay, I really want to give the most convincing I've been set on fire death possible. And you get wrapped up in the emotion, you thrash yourself, yeah. you know yeah and and you, especially if you're if it's a big title or you're you know you're really, or it's a new client and you're really enthusiastic about doing a good job, like you can forget how much it can really jack you up oh, yeah. and it's it, it, yeah, it's one thing if you are kind of you know working a job here and there, but if you get to a point where you're working regularly, you do need to think about how tomorrow is going to be absolutely. and so Yeah, I've found that, and again, this is a lot of uh, musical principles coming back, a lot of vocalist training stuff, to be able to kind of achieve that kind of throat tearing, agonizing sound without actually tearing your throat in an agonizing way is something that I think you learn over time. You get to know your own voice and how it is maybe you can get some grit and gravel without clenching your cords together so tightly and forcing air through them in such a way that it's really going to be damaging. For
2: me, it was singing six nights a week, you know, on the road. I mean, I remember we probably had, you know, 250 to 275 dates a year and their jaw just dropped, you know, because nobody does that now. And it's like, well... That was how we made our living, really, because we weren't famous enough to be doing record sales. So you you, you made it by playing. Yeah. And, and what you did is you learned how to save your voice or you died. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and that's
0: interesting. I saw a, uh, an interview a couple of years back and it was one of the, you know, one of the lead singers for one of the death metal bands. And that was the whole thing because the screaming the the lyrics core. and all that. Is, yeah. yeah. So that was one of the things that he talked about. And that's how you can have longevity. In that kind of a a niche or a segment is Mm -hmm. exactly what you said, Greg, learning how to use your yourself vocally to not get so into it emotionally that you actually physically do harm to yourself.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also uh, not being afraid to ask to take a break because, you know, I think that's another thing that, you know, as actors, we're we're just like, oh, we don't want to be difficult. We don't want to seem like a diva. It's like no most directors and clients will understand completely if you're like, hey, you know, we've been electrocuting me for the last 20 minutes. Can I can I just take five to take a sip of water or whatever? (laughs) They're like, oh, yeah yeah, yeah, fine. I've never heard a director go. No. really you need you need to rest, I mean <laughs> right. I just never experienced that, and so I think, as actors like we need to use that and just know that when your voice is starting to go. And you know that if you keep on it, you're going to maybe do some real damage. Like, mm-hmm. just just ask for that break. Everybody loves to take a break. They probably wanted to take a break. They're afraid to ask. So just do it.
2: Well, you know? uh, even and I would even go a step further and say, if you notice that your voice is getting stressed, you've probably waited too long to take a break yeah. and, and get that mental clock in your head. You know, if, it's, if you're really screaming or something, it's like, when we hit the five-minute mark, I'm done for a bit. Mm-hmm. I do this automatically because of learning why you don't want to do it any other way. <clears throat> but not everybody will take all the screamy stuff and put it at the end of the session and if you have any chance to get that script ahead of time and you don't know the director already absolutely say hey uh and before you get to the session can we turn this script around so that all this stuff goes at the end so we can get all this other stuff knocked out first you're right a lot of actors like i shouldn't rock the boat it's like no actually say that you know and if they say oh yeah we got that covered," then great no one's going to get Mad because you wanted to make sure that that's what they were going to do, but look the script over and go, this stuff looks like it's pretty screamy. Let's put that at the end.
0: Yeah, I'm finding more and more that that's what directors are doing for the most part. The hard part comes is when you have multiple characters that you're doing, and each one has death screams.
2: I usually leave that up to the actor, but I, I I try to address that up front. And I think again as an actor, if the director doesn't, you should. I think it's okay. You know, look, yes. Do you scream differently as this character than you do as that character? Sure. But the range, because of what you're doing, becomes extraordinarily limited. It's not that much variance from one to the other. Good point. So,
1: (laughs) Could you age up your scream about two exactly.
2: (laughs) I want an old man scream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, so just put
2: it all together and split it up as best you can, but just make sure that you've got, you know, you have all the talky stuff out
1: of the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's sometimes where you may pull out all the stops and be like, "Hey, you know what? It's Friday. I don't mm-hmm. have anything scheduled Monday. I really just want to just leave it all out in the booth like for this project. Whatever, wreck yourself, but yeah. make sure that you that you then rest the weekend. Put yourself on vocal rest, drink your tea, you know, chug your freaking Chinese honey syrup whatever. Yeah, but do what I, you I gotta do." Yeah,
2: I don't even like that. Um Sometimes I do
0: that, though, just so I have an excuse to not have to talk to my wife all weekend.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Edit. Oh, that one's going to have to come out in the edit. (laughs) And when when we
1: say edit, we mean put on repeat and put effects on. Yeah, yeah, Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: You. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, I get that. I I think long uh, for longevity, it's, it's certainly not wise, but I think, you know, as actors, we're also very emotional creatures and there's sometimes you just get carried away with it. You know, it's not good. I, I try and do regular checkups with the ENT and they put the camera down your throat and they look at your cords Mm -hmm. and, There was a a game that I worked on a couple years ago that I swear I was tasting blood in my throat for like three days afterwards. I really thought I did some real damage. I went to the ENT and they put the camera down uh, and they're like, no, it's fine. It's, you know, and you actually see your vocal cords on the screen. Mm -hmm. You can talk or sing. It's really kind of fascinating, but it's nice to have that peace of mind to just have that check-in going like, nope, you're fine. No sign of nodes, no sign of damage. Mm -hmm. Carry on. And then, you know, six months, a year later, you go look at them again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Sound advice. I've never heard anybody say that. Plus, there's a guy in Burbank who's the ENT to the voiceover communities. His name name is Dr. Line, like straight line, Mm -hmm. Dr. Warren Line. And he's amazing. Like you really, you walk in there and just like, uh, I don't know, just within a few minutes, he's just like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, here you go. And off you go. And you're like, oh, great. That's, That's fine. That's an L.A. stage doctor name, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> and greg just got free appointments for the next year so there we go that's right go see dr
1: line on alameda all
2: right greg this is a real question so you know consider
1: it very carefully before you answer cubs right. dodgers who are you rooting for oh my gosh <laughs> okay i have to no no this is not a simple I answer i have to i have I, no, no. I have to root for the Cubs. <clears throat> Thank you. Just because... Thank you. That's a, okay, stop, you know, stop, stop. That's enough said. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not because I'm some... I don't, I don't know a ton about sports. I was in the theater and doing music and whatever. I generally experience sports through my friends who are into sports. Mm-hmm. And as a result there are far more people who are far more precious about the Cubs that I know than the Dodgers. And so, and just given the history of the Cubs and stuff like that, you know, you kind of want to see them succeed.
0: Well, I'm glad you answered that way because otherwise we were going to have to edit the entire show out. (laughs) Yeah, that episode you did—word, that's yeah, not. A thing yeah, yeah. You
2: know, right? I don't know.
0: There was a technical error, Greg.
2: We had to let the whole thing go. I'm sorry. We just cut your part out. It was just Brian and Randy talking.
1: Yeah, Three Midwestern
0: out. boys from the north side of Chicago.
1: Love it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just—I just got cut out of a a big old AAA title. It's so, up- oh. and that's the other thing that I think people need to be aware of is that it's gonna happen. Like you're gonna get cut for some reason. It's not because you're terrible, but they did they were too ambitious they did too many characters and now the developers can only do this many or whatever like stuff happens and oh. it's just that's it's hard to roll with it but you gotta wow. so you know you get that call from your agent you're like okay okay i think i'm going to go eat a bunch of chocolate and
0: hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Three good, wholesome Midwestern boys. This has been fun. <laughs> uh, Greg, yes. Greg, we really appreciate the time you spent with us today and uh, hope that everybody gets a chance to pick up uh, something out of this. We know Greg will be getting free ENT for the next year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, it worked. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's been really cool. Thanks for having me. Great talking with you. Randall. Ah, uh, BT.
0: Ah, and Greg. Yes. Thank you guys very much. Talk to you soon. All right, talk Definitely. to you soon. Our thanks to Greg Chun for sharing his time and talent. So much fun. Check him out at gregchun.com. Let's Talk Voiceover is hosted by Randy Ryan, owner of Hamsterball Studios, voice, music, and sound design, and Brian Talbot, actor and all-around creative guy. If you have comments, questions, ideas for other show topics that you'd be interested in hearing about, or you just want to let us know what you think, you can reach us by sending an email to bt at letstalkvoiceover.com. Or go to our website at www.letstalkvoiceover.com. That's letstalkvoiceover.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite media app so you don't miss an episode. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk VoiceOver. We'll talk again real soon.